What's going on, everyone? My name is Chris Tondevold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where I interview indie artists, content creators, athletes, and small business owners who share how they continually discover and maintain a balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. In this episode, I welcome Tina DeSetta of Virginia-based music act Tender Song. I've known Tina for a long time, seeing her play forever ago, and have really enjoyed the new project. We go through our music history and the rigors of owning your own business while going through a pandemic and while helping her husband through open heart surgery recovery and being able to connect with people through music by writing lullabies for adults. Check out her latest single, Future, available everywhere. Keep up with her on Instagram at tendersongva. Tina will be releasing some more singles on the way to her full EP release later this year. I'll have all her links in the show notes as usual. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and share the show if you can. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. But yeah, let's let's get kind of into it because so it was Cloudy, I think is the first single that you released under the new moniker Tender Song, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. It's so nice. I don't know what it was, but it just like it, it struck me as just something that was just like came out of like love and respect for another person, I feel mm. like. And just the the way that your voice sounds, the music and the way that it builds up, it was just incredible. So I want to talk about that. And then you have some that you're already planning on uh, releasing for the rest of the year too, right? Yes. Yeah. So how was, how was this recording process? Because it's been a minute since you recorded music, right? Yeah. I've never actually done a full recording process. Like, I mean, when we met, when I was on MySpace, um, I was just stealing my sister who was in college. I was stealing her computer at night while she was sleeping and recording covers on GarageBand. And that was it. And then I, I remember having one recording process with a friend who was starting to get into production. Uh, but that never really went anywhere and his computer crashed before we got to finish it. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Good times. I mean, I feel like I could go back a little further. Like, you know, when I was in high school and young, young adulthood, I was doing a project called Stand Up Sweetheart. That name just like, it didn't really come from anything. It just came from a a guy suggesting it to me. I was like, I'm going to roll with that because I don't have a better idea. (laughs) um, I knew I didn't want to just go by at that point. I was Tina Miller and that's boring. (laughs) So, um, you know, I was doing music and stuff and then I got into the hair industry when I was 17 and got licensed when I was about to turn or when I had just turned 19. And so I got really busy with that. I fell in love with that career. It's been really hard on my body. I've got yeah. a lot of chronic illness type of stuff going on. It's hard on your body anyway, that type of work. It's so much standing <laughs> and yeah. so much like minute uh, movements, I feel like, and yeah. such fine movements that people don't think about that. You know, we, I stand and I sit for a long time doing retail work. But if you have to get clients in and out and you're standing all the time, like that is such a a toll on your body, especially if you're dealing with anything else. Yeah, exactly. And so it's been, it's been rough for a while, but I just worked hard to build up my business to a point where I didn't have to work as much. And I was working on clients I enjoyed. And like, for example, now I work with a stool to help me kind of move around a little better. But last year, when everything went down the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, And I had to close my business. 
I had just finished walking my husband through uh, recovering from open heart surgery. Holy shit. Yeah. So he, he had, it was, it was like a fluke thing. He had a mass in his heart that they had to remove and they had to do open heart surgery to get it out. And so he had that around new years of 2019 three month recovery. So then three months into 2020 was COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was just a rough, rough go that first quarter of the year. And of course I was like, everybody else I was like, ah, we're just going to be shut down for a couple of weeks or something. It'll be sure. back to normal. And then it wasn't. And then I felt like, I don't know that this is true, but I felt like my friends were getting tired of me calling them every day because I was <laughs> bored and lonely. <laughs> And I had friends who were like, did you have time to reach out to them beforehand? Like doing, doing all the, your business and building that up. Oh yeah. Like, were you able to still maintain some of those relationships or was it just like, yeah, you guys haven't heard from me for a little bit. And now let me call you all the time because now I'm just at home. Oh no, no, no. I'm actually, I, I'm pretty decent at keeping up with my friends. It's just, we didn't necessarily talk it every single day. Right. We talked like at right. least once or twice a week. So yeah, every single day I felt like, okay, they're, I think they're getting a little tired of me. I projected that a little bit. And then I had friends who were going through stuff and didn't really necessarily need to hear about my stuff. And I had already written one song that I wasn't sure if I was going to do anything with it, but I shared a little clip on Instagram, mm -hmm. like a couple weeks into the pandemic. And then one night I was really struggling. I was just having a bad night and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to play with a cover or something. So I started playing with a cover of the song. If it makes you happy. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was like, Oh, this will be fun. And this will like get those feelings out. And it didn't cause I could not figure out <laughs> something that sounded good. And I, I mean, I was getting flustered. I was getting pissed off. I remember being in my bedroom and my husband was like, I'm going to hop in the shower and he hops in the shower. And by the time he gets out, I've written cloudy. Wow. Cause I was just, which I never do. I, I am a very slow songwriter. I mean, it okay. can take me years. And so I had written the whole song and he comes out. I was like, so I wrote a song. <laughs> it's like, Oh, that's cool. Um, so then I sent it to, um, my friend, Janelle Marie, the mm -hmm. spoken word poet. I sent it to her. I think I let Joe listen to it and I kind of played with it some more. And around my birthday, I ended up doing like a live stream. Okay. Yeah. And just playing a couple of the songs I had written and then playing a couple covers and I got really good feedback. So I decided I wanted to look into recording. So I kept kind of writing a little bit and then I reached out to a friend of mine, uh, John from the band weathered. They're okay. uh, based in Minnesota, but he recently moved to Fredericksburg. Cool. And he moved here after him and his band played a show that I hosted here in Fredericksburg. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So it was a cool connection there. I was like, Hey, uh, would you be open to recording me? I knew he was getting pretty heavy into production. And so I started raising the funds so that I could pay for that pretty much upfront as upfront as I could. And, uh, we started getting into it in February and recording and it was a great process. He's a really great producer. Yeah. I recommend him to anybody. He's very personable. He really cares about the songs. I walked into it being like, okay, I have these boring songs. I guess you can try to do something with them. And he really helped me like bring out the parts of the song that were already good. Okay. And make them even better. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the whole process has been awesome. 
so nerve wracking. It's a lot easier doing a cover. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> like just playing a cover. It's a lot scarier being like, like I, I'm fine singing other people's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want your own out there. Yeah. That, no. that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. In between all that last, uh, like I've, I've always done music with churches and last mm-hmm. winter, the church of the pastors who they used to be at my church and they did like my wedding ceremony and stuff. Uh, they had planted a church up in Falls Church, Virginia. And so they reached out to me because they were needing a new music leader. And they were like, hey, could you just fill in for the interim? So I was filling in and then COVID happened. <laughs> and then they were like, hey, we actually really like you. And we feel like you could pull off doing this while not living in the area, like just coming right. up. So they ended up hiring me, which was awesome. awesome. So it is a lot. You know, I'm married. I have four cats. <laughs> I have <laughs> my small business, uh, my salon studio, which I'm only part-time right now. I'm only three days a week, which is good. Helps with the physical side. And then yeah. I'm doing this EP and then I'm doing the church music. Yeah. And then trying to play some shows out and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah working on that stuff. But I kind of, I kind of figured I've always been someone who has to stay busy I'm also in therapy right now. So I'm figuring out kind of the balance <laughs> a lot, and right? yeah. boundaries and stuff. Yeah. But I do enjoy being busy. That's good. Now, from what I, from what I know, when I saw you play music years and years ago, very much a teenager, right? And oh, yeah. now <laughs> you're, you're full-fledged married four cats, which are the most important part. <laughs> yes. How do you approach music now? And do you reflect on anything from when you were younger? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I didn't really write many songs when I was younger. I well, even if I wrote them, I'd throw them away before I got a chance to really work on them. It's too insecure. But like I wrote a song with the original lineup of Flying Jacob. Okay. It was me, Josh Namist, and a woman, Becky Beasley. And I wrote a song for us when I was like 17 or I think I had just turned 18. I had just met Joe. It was a song about like classic love song about growing old together. And that's actually my next song that's going to come in my second track. That's going to come out as a single, but it's funny, like looking back at the lyrics. Well, first I changed the name of the song. Okay. Cause the name of the song was 2020 as in 2020 <laughs> vision. <laughs> not, not really the greatest with last yeah. year. Yeah. I was like, nah, I gotta change that. Uh, so I changed the name to future. Okay. And it was very, it was a very sweet song. Like it was a good song. I didn't feel like it was too, too mushy, but I kind of carved out some of the mushier feel good bits and made it feel a little more real. Cause I've been married for over eight years now and mm-hmm. it's just growing all together is easy. <laughs> We're not even old yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's not easy. So I kind of changed a little bit of the tone to it and I added a verse and did a few other things. So it's like, I feel like I still look at my lyrics and I feel like they're from my critical standpoint, immature yeah, and boring. But then I think about cloudy and how many great comments I've gotten about it. And I, that's how I felt about those lyrics. I felt like they were immature and boring. I got a lot of comments about it feeling very accessible and feeling like I was speaking directly to somebody or I just, uh, people can relate to it because it's yeah. simple. Yeah, it's it's always interesting. Like if you you kind of speak a little bit more in generalities, but enough to be 
almost a specific moment that a lot of people have or try mm-hmm. to encapsulate a specific uh, feeling that a lot of people have. And you're like, oh yeah, I've, I've been right there with you. Even though you might be thinking that it's boring or, or just yeah. like a general lame, whatever, sappy stuff, but everybody connects to something differently. And if, if you're able to hook them a little bit, I mean, that's the, the bigger picture, right? Oh yeah. I'm starting to write more music. I don't know when that'll be recorded, probably not until next year, but I'm starting to work on more and I'm starting to feel like I can get a little bit deeper and a little more specific with these newer songs Mm -hmm. with while still having that feeling of generality that people can kind of cling on to. So when, when you're writing now, you're, you're able to actually go in and maybe tap into some of the feelings that you haven't been able to talk about or kind of tackle uh, over the course of however many years now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how, sure. how does that feel to, to, to be able to, to do that and, and try to approach it in a, in a better way? Uh, it feels good. It also feels rough. <laughs> I mean, it, it's one of those, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a two sides of the same coin situation where it's like, there's one side that this is really cathartic. This is really freeing. And there's another side that's like, this is very vulnerable. This is really tough, but I've been recognizing more how those opposites can really mesh together to make good art. And, and that on top of that, people aren't going to see what I write and what I put out there the same way I'm going to see it. Right. And it's not like they're literally understanding exactly what the situation is. Like you said, it's general enough. They're able to kind of latch onto it without quite knowing what I'm talking about, but I'm able to get those feelings out there. And exp- experience that vulnerability that I think is good for just human growth. Yeah, for sure. I know that uh, I still have a lot of real big insecurities, mostly with my voice, because I hate my voice since I edit all my own <laughs> stuff. Just listening to that over and over again is not a good thing for me. But going going through there, like the a lot of the stuff that I don't even want to feel good enough to release or to reach out to other people or anything like that, like that that insecurity is still very much there. And it's something that I, I continue to try to tackle with. It sounds like to me from some of the stuff that you were talking about, throwing stuff out there and then getting any kind of like positive feedback kept you really pushing towards the, the next step, right? 100%. And uh, like, you know, I've been working for the last 11 years since I moved out on my own. I've been working on just being more gracious with myself mm-hmm. and allowing myself to throw things out there and not, you know, sometimes I'd throw things out there when I was younger and people would be like, this is great. I want more. And I'd be like, eh, nah, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> and now it's more of people say that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to believe them and I'm going to go through with it and try to bring more out. I actually had a funny instance where my nephew who is 14, 14 and a half, he sent a girl on Snapchat the link to my song really and he was uh, yeah he was like he was like girl check this out (laughs) she was like oh my god it's so good she needs to make more and he sent that to me he like took a screenshot of it and sent it to me he was like she said you need to make more i was like well that's all i need to know is that the teenagers like it right (laughs) teeny boppers yeah Um, if it gets big on tiktok then then you made it right oh my gosh yeah i was joking with someone because all of the songs are a little sad I was like, it would be hilarious to see like kids like dancing while crying on TikTok. Just like, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Well, and, it, and with like the self criticism, one thing that I meant to kind of go into and I skimmed over it with uh, 
working with churches. I mean, I've been doing church music since I was like 12 or 13 and playing guitar and singing since I was 13 or 14 at churches. I, I didn't get the experience until more recently to go back and hear my voice. And that is awful. Yeah. It's terrible. I mean, back in March, 2020, when me and my friend David uh, recorded a service, we recorded a music for the first service during quarantine and I had to go back and listen to it and it was painful. And then when we were going into kind of developing how we were going to get the music out there while being online, I had to keep going back and listening so that I could figure out what we needed to fix sound wise, or maybe if I needed to change how I was doing something and I hated it so much. Yeah, Like it was just the worst, but now I'm at a point where I've been doing that so much that I've been able to actually like listen to recordings of my voice and not hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Even before then, like on my, on my hair Instagram, a few years ago, I did this like challenge for stylists to try to get them to get their face on their Instagram page more and the stories. I was encouraging people to talk at the camera and not shy away from sharing and like make sure that they go back and listen and, you know, just become more comfortable in front of the camera And I've been doing that for a while. So my speaking voice, I hate a lot more than my singing voice. And I had already gotten over my speaking voice. Oh, that's good. That's very, very good. So so I was like, okay, this is going to be a lot easier to get over my singing voice. It's, it's tough. Even like people, people talk about public speaking as a thing and, and trying to talk into a room. And that's definitely daunting by itself because those are people that are trying to pay attention to you and you're just like, I'm going to bum this entire thing. It's definitely Mm going to happen. But when you take it a step further and be like, okay, now I heard myself bombing the entire time. That's even worse. And once you're able to get into the rhythm of, of, I think, think about it more critically than just like, uh, everything's on fire. And that's, it's a little bit different. Like I, I listened to my voice so much that I, I think I have it dialed in to be like, okay, this doesn't sound terrible. I'm okay with how this sounds audio-wise. That's cool. Now I have to clean up the ums, the uhs, the, the breathing and all that stuff and, and try to figure that out. And that's, that's been nice. And you get to a point, at least for me, where you're just like, I've done as much as I can. There's nothing more that I can do to fix this. There's nothing more that I can take away to make it sound better or enhance to make it sound better you know, it is what it is. I just need to get it out. And once yeah. you're at that point, I think if you can, if you can open your ears a little bit to the the feedback that's coming in and you're just like, are you guys sure that it sounds good? I don't really believe you. Are you sure? Then you're able to accept it a little bit more and just kind of keep going with it. And I don't oh, yeah. know if you felt that way, but it's definitely something that I've had to like break through and get onto the other side of because that, that security piece isn't really there. And then once you're at a point, you're just like, all right, fuck it. It's, it's out. Yeah. This is how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. That, that's exactly how I feel. I, I think the more of, I mean, it's just as simple, the more you put yourself out there, the more comfortable you'll get. And part of that is because the more you put yourself out there, the more feedback you'll get. And as long as you're not, uh, honestly, I believe as long as you're not an obviously terrible person, you're going to get more good feedback than bad feedback. It's like, even if you're not that great yet, the people who love you are going to give you good feedback. Like they might give you some constructive criticism, but they're going to give you good feedback because they want you to keep trying and they yeah. want you to keep going. It's all, so for me, it's always been a double-edged sword where 
it's it's cool that I'm getting positive feedback, but whether or not I believe them without yes. the constructive feedback is completely different. Like oh, I yeah. I need to know how much this sucks in order for me to fix it. I don't need it to be like, yeah, keep going. This is great. This is fantastic. I, I there's got to be something in there because then it's just like, okay, you're sugarcoating something, and we're just gonna keep going with it, and I'm gonna pretend like everything's fine when it might not be. Yeah. And that's, that's definitely something that I, I've contended with. I think one of the other things that you mentioned too is getting your, your face out there is something that I've contended with too. And I really like how you were talking about that last year. For sure, trying to get everybody out there a little bit more because when it's on the internet now, your face, your personality is so much your business now. And I don't know how you've really contended with that and balanced that out, but it, it's tough. So try to like put yourself out there. And it's the same thing with the, the songs, right? The same thing with the, the sounds and, and getting your voice out. Like maybe once I get to that point where I feel comfortable enough that my dumb face can be out there a little bit more, that's cool. Yeah. But it's, it's still, it's very difficult, I think, to, to really balance that out. What, what were you saying to your, your, your folks that were going to get their voices out that you were trying to help that a little bit more? Yeah. So when I was doing this, I was taking inspiration from um, a business coach I've worked with. And she talks a lot about like relationships and business and, and how you can um, translate that onto the internet and stuff. And one thing she was pointing out is if, for example, if you own a salon and people look at your Instagram page and all they see is hair pictures and all they see is like facets of what you do, but they don't see the space that they're going to be in and they don't see the person that's going to be doing it. They're way less likely to want to book with you. Cause there's no personal connection. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, like I know I love looking at any type of business technician, like anything like that, that I could buy a product from and seeing a face that I can connect it with and knowing that I could walk into the store and see that person, or I could walk into the business and see that person and recognize them. Yeah, it's just immediately a lot more comfortable. Um, and I feel like like in your instance with interviewing artists and stuff, like I think about a lot of the podcasts I listen to, I love when they post like photos of either them doing the podcast or even just photos of them day to day. Yeah. So I can kind of like imagine their face, especially like their current face. Like I haven't seen you in years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was just thinking about too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's that's the the other side of it. Because you're, you're trying to create buy-in to yourself, right? And I, I would assume it's the same thing even as, as a, a, a business that's such a, a big service, that is such a customized service to see other people, is that you want to know that person. You can look at the pictures like what you're saying, and you can see, okay, they, they've done A, B, and C. They can do... I don't know what the, the things are. I know what a Brazilian blowout is because yeah. I've just heard the, the word. But, or funny. like coloring or whatever, right? Like yeah. that's... You, you can... But every shop has that. Every shop has their their book of of reference cuts, and they can show the the, the products that they put out. But if you don't have that that face to face recognition, there's no real reason for you to go there. If if yeah. everything is level, right? There's no real reason for you to go there. And that that's what I'm contending with the most is trying to make sure that you know it it a it's okay to be seen, and then b that people want to see you. People want to actually get that better connection in there. That way they connect more to you and, and the the way that you're trying to express yourself now at this point. Yeah. 
that that insecurity piece is a is a weird thing to contend with when your whole life and that's that's a lot of people and a lot of businesses now are so internet based where that connection isn't really there. Yeah. I mean, seemingly simple, but definitely it's like a discipline to put your face out there and put your personality out there and kind of let people know what to expect. It's not, it's not the easiest thing. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. So when, when you're looking at the approach for Tender Song, are you talking about that to yourself as far as I want to, because I think you're releasing singles throughout on the lead up to the EP, right? Yeah. And then are you trying to also balance that out with being present online and being present with marketing too? Um, yeah. Well, the marketing thing is tough because I, I feel like I've been... I mean, I've been working on this for nine months. Everyone's joking that I'm finally giving birth to my baby. <laughs> but I've been working on this officially like... I think nine months ago, I said, I'm going to do this. And I talked to my producer. So it's exhausting right now to be present in the marketing piece. But thank God, my, uh, my whole approach to Tender Song is pretty literal. I want gentle, comforting music for people yeah. that um, they can connect with. And, and that includes, like we were just talking about me putting myself out there and that being most of my marketing approach is just kind of keeping people in on the process. It's been interesting how many people don't know how much time and effort goes into recording. And I, right. I didn't know fully at all. I, I think I was like 20% aware and <laughs> being really honest and being able to have conversations with people where, you know, I'll share something on my Instagram stories and someone will respond and we'll be like, when's the EP coming out finally? And I'm like, I don't know, but you get to watch the process and just being very honest with people Cause that's part of my, I don't know, I guess I'll call it like mission with tender song is just being really honest and putting out honest work and not, not sugarcoating it. And so it's been tough to be fully present in that because I'm just as impatient as other people, <laughs> if not more, but yeah. So it, one reason I decided to, instead of just drop the whole EP, yeah. drop one song at a time, it was, uh, my producer pointed out that, uh, the way Spotify works, as far as getting uh, the best bang for your buck on the on your Spotify profile, releasing one track just so you can have an established profile, and then pitching all the other ones to Spotify playlists is one of the best things to do. Really? Okay. Yeah. So uh, if you think about it, so how Spotify works with pitching um, singles to go on playlists is you already have an established page. They want to see that you're starting to really utilize that page. Right. Like you're sharing similar artists and playlists and all that stuff. And then they need a few weeks at least to look over your song and see if there's a good fit. So I released Cloudy and now I'm working on... It's been a pain in the butt trying to claim my profile on Spotify, but I think I, it's just user error. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this close. It's I'm working with my distributor. Thing. It's a yeah. really weird thing. I I think that I have mine, but it took like through hoops just to make sure that I was who I was saying that I was. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was it was really weird. It I guess it's cool. Like with the podcast, it's a little bit different because we don't have like playlists that we can really yeah. go into and like pitch. And that's that's the the harder thing. Like 
I've, I've interviewed a couple other people and they've always been able to like put their, their work out, especially electronic artists. They can put out their stuff to these different groups, get feedback from oh, them yeah. and, and be yeah. able to, to have that. And that's, that's a, such a big building block. And then trying to position yourself to this playlist to get the exposure out there. That's yeah. almost a full-time job by itself. It is. And that's what I was like, okay, I'll start with the Spotify playlist, start pitching stuff to them. And I really wanted the chance since it's only five songs, I really wanted the chance for all of those songs to get a pitch at a playlist and you have to release singles for that. Yeah. Okay. But I'm also sensitive and I worked <laughs> so hard on all these songs. Like I I've had a few people express with cloudy that it has a lot of layers to it and they appreciate yeah. that. And that's all the layers. It was just one by one by one. John and I would be like, something's missing. Okay, let's add something else. And, and then like take things away as needed. My next single future that I'm releasing, which should be released when this podcast is out. Uh, <laughs> that song is all about layers. It's just like layer, 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 build up type of stuff. And I worked so hard on it. And I was like, I really want each of my singles to have a week or two for people to just kind of like marinate in them. Yeah. And then it's like, they're all, each song is kind of an experience by itself, but then the EP flows together in a really cool way too. So it's like, it'll be fun to listen to all the singles by themselves. But once people get to listen to the EP, it's going to be like listening to them in a new way. Yeah. You can binge it. it it's the yeah. weekly release versus yeah. the, the binging, right? That <laughs> yes. way there's two different, definitely two different experiences. Cause when you have those staggered releases, then you're just hooked onto that next thing. Okay. What's the next thing that they're putting out? I don't know if, if any of the tunes that, that you're putting out, there's completely different sounds or completely different approaches to the writing, but that's even more fun too, where you're seeing, okay, this, this song was written stripped down version, very intimate, whatever. Right. And now we're going into like a full orchestra, not orchestra, but full <laughs> setup. You know what I mean? As far yeah. as like a f full big sound. So there's, there's different journeys to be put in place. I think for that, one of the things that I wanted to ask you too is the approach that you have for the singles and, and releasing this EP in that staggered way. Was any of the, the skills that you built during your small business time so far, did that translate into how you approached releasing the, the songs and releasing the, the EP as a whole? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, definitely the, the staggering. I feel like when you're releasing any type of content, you really need to give it its own space. Like for my hair page, when I was really trying to build up my business, which now I'm grateful, it's like at a point where it's pretty sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, when I was really working to build it up and get the clientele that I wanted to work with, I was really careful about giving each photo or each video that I posted its proper space so that it wouldn't crowd up the timeline on or the feed or whatever on Instagram. Right, right. And so that, that was part of it. Another thing that I feel like I took from my business was listening to experts <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not the expert with releasing music, but this guy, John has been in a band that's released music and he's produced other bands and other artists and has helped them do releases. And he's seen, I mean, from like a smaller, more DIY scale, especially he's seen what works and what doesn't. And so just trusting him and figuring like, I'm going to try it his way. Cause he knows yeah. And that's going to give me a lot more security. And it feels 
probably a lot more like a collaboration, right? hundred percent. Yeah. And he, I'm, I mean, he put just as much literal musicianship into the album as I did, if not more. That's what I was going to ask you. How, how was that, that, that process for you? Because cloudy, for example, like it starts pretty stripped down, but then it fully comes into its own. So yeah. are, are you playing most of the instruments? Is John helping with that? Are we getting uh, studio musicians coming in for sessions or? It's, it's very collaborative. I'd say most of the instrumentation is me, John, and another guy named John Gaskill. He's um, the drummer for the band Comrades and for the band um, Reap and Sow. Okay. He's a great drummer. He's usually doing more like heavy metal type of That's stuff. That's what it and sounded like. I just yes. wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting um, translating that to my music and he did a really great job with it. But so it's the three of us, John Gaskill did all the drums. Then as far as the other instrumentation, uh, it was all split up between John and I, I did a lot of, if we did anything with like pads or keys or anything, I know just enough to where I was able to, to get it work going. out some simple stuff. And then even like you can hear the horn and cloudy at the end mm-hmm. when it builds just, we literally just found a French horn plug. <laughs> and I was like, I just feel like there needs to be a French horn. And he was like, Oh, do you know a French horn player? I said, I don't think so. <laughs> so he, he was like, are you okay with making it? I said, yeah, that's fine. You gotta love technology, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. And so then, uh, I did acoustic guitar. I did a little bit of electric. It's not really my forte. And I did the banjo on cloudy too. That was fun. Um, which again, that's a instrument that I know just enough to be able to get by. Yeah. get it to sound right. And then he did most of the bass, a lot of the electric guitar. My husband came in and did some electric guitar on one song. He's a really good electric guitarist. And then vocally I had my husband and two of my other friends come in and do some backup vocals with me. And I'm excited to release the songs that have them on it. I actually have one song that has about, uh, I think, I think it was eight background vocalists total. Wow. And I'm excited for that one, but it's, it's gang vocals. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 sure. yeah. And, and that was fun to do on my style of music. Cause I'm very much inspired by like pop punk and yeah. emo and all that, but I don't quite sound like that. So it's fun to bring those things in. I think that'll be a lot of fun actually to yeah. listen back to because you're right. Like it, it probably shouldn't work, but it might. And I, I think that'll be a lot of fun to just get sad feelings yelled at you the entire time. Right. Is that yes. how that works? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think it's always funny too. like the, uh, a lot of, a lot of hardcore or like metal musicians almost always end up writing these or being part of sad stripped down music acoustic 100%. music city and color guy you know the yeah. seven seconds that dude like they're such a, a, a seminal hardcore band but i i remember it was kevin seconds he had an interview and he's like my my goal is to write the perfect pop song and i was like that's not the one that i thought that you would say at yeah. all like you you want to just write this perfect bubblegum like perfectly produced everything and you've been playing punk music for 30 40 years however long it's been so yeah. it's just, it's nuts. And uh, I, I always find that funny. I think there's something to like, all of the musicians I look up to appreciate pop music. Like even if they don't play pop music, they have a really solid appreciation for it. Because I mean, 
it's popular for a reason. Right. It's usually very accessible and there is something to learn from that. I think the the other part, like you forget how many layers get put into it because it kind of all mashes together a little bit. Yeah. I remember seeing some of the, the stems for some pop songs and there's like 90 stems because there's, yeah, it's just these different, yeah. these different little sounds here and there, kind of like your French horn, right? Where, where yeah, you're just, yeah. you're adding just this one piece because the song you're, you're hearing it in your, your head being like, okay, it, this one sound would go really well right here. Let's try to get that. And then luckily we have the technology to, to make it, they have the money to get an actual French horn player, but yeah. we have the technology <laughs> to just hit a button. And then it sounds like that, which is great. Yeah. I, I do. I do like the, the idea of this is the really the, your first time recording and, and being able to really lean on the, the people that are around you and that, that mature outlook of like leaning on the experts. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be probably like the, the biggest piece for, for me. Like I, I learned, I tried to learn so much before I even started doing anything. I went through like a whole bunch of different like mic reviews, trying to figure out how to even work half of this shit. And I'm still very, very rough on everything, but being able to go to sources and be able to ask questions has helped and gave me a little bit more confidence, even that I'm doing the right thing and I'm doing what kind of works. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I, um, I feel like my, my personality, I really, really want, security. That's one of my biggest goals is just, just have some type of security in my relationships, finances, whatever. Um, that's, and I mean, I feel like that's most people, but it's one of those like specific things that I've always gone back to is realizing I need security. And part of that, yeah, is just that need of, okay, sometimes I just have to lean back on other people. And even like, like through this album, like I was imagining not doing drums I was imagining just doing acoustic at first and leaning into, okay, not only does John think we could do more with this, but there are people who are willing to like step in and do this just as my friends. Yeah. All of the, all of the backup, all of the backup instrumentation were people who just wanted to do it because a lot of them, because I've supported their music or I've like, I mean, I, for the past, like almost five years, Minus the last year and a half, uh, I was hosting my like apartment shows almost right. every month, if not more. And so, like, I, I put in the time when I wasn't ready to release any music or really focus on my own stuff. I was putting in the time and energy and like providing space for people in the area who were. And those kind of things matter because, yeah. um, not just because it's like, oh, then those people will pay me back later, but it's <laughs> like, I've got, I do have a community around me who wants to support me in the things that I want to do because they knew that I was there for them when they needed the support. And it's genuine, right? Like you, yeah. you're, not, you're not going in there thinking that, oh, I'm going to definitely get paid back. It's, it's something that you like doing, right? It's yeah. You want to be able to support. You want to be able to get more voices out too, I, I think is, is an important thing to where yeah. you're, you're able to get diversity in there. You're able to ac- actually be able to get voices that may not have been uh, prevalent that are too nervous. Like that's a, such an intimate spot to be able to just do a show in your apartment and to be able to like give space to that. I think is fantastic. Where, where was yeah. that idea that you came up with that? Was, was that 
the same idea of just like, I want to support people and I can do it just in my space? Um, well, it started, uh, we actually used to have like a little, it was like a cabin looking Cape Cod out, uh, 20 minutes outside of downtown Fredericksburg. And we were like out in the woods and we were planning on hosting a show there because, uh, you know, uh, Chris Bernstorff. Yeah. 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 yeah, The poet. So he, I, um, played a show with him flying Jacob, a couple other, my heart, my anchor, a couple other bands here in Fredericksburg, like six years ago, five, six years ago. And, um, uh, we, we played at the only venue that I knew to play at cause I didn't know venues around here at that point. And it was, um, it's called the center for faith and leadership in, okay. in, uh, the Mary Washington campus here. And I just knew the people who owned the building. I was like, Hey, you guys have a good space for music. Would you mind hosting? And they were like, yeah, this is our rental fee. And it wasn't a crazy rental fee in my opinion for a venue. Sure. But, uh, of course, like at the end of it, everybody made maybe five bucks. That's how and that we works. had a hu- yeah. yeah, we had a huge crowd. And so I was yeah. like, oh, well, that, like, I felt like it went well, but I was also really disappointed. I was like, man, that was so much work for people to barely get gas money home. And now you know how it feels. Yes, uh, it's exactly. <laughs> and it's like, it's like when I was doing music, it, it didn't really matter to me because I wasn't expecting to get paid anything or, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I, I still kind of feel that way. People are like, Oh man, are you excited to like make back the money you paid to record? I'm like, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I don't think you ever do unless something majorly changes. Well, okay. Yeah. Cause what happens is you, you might make a little extra in tips or something at a show and you're like, Oh, this is awesome. And then you use it on gas money and then you use yep. it to buy more merch for the next. And then you use it to record the next song and it's just a vicious cycle. Yep. And it, there's very little profit margin. And people are like, you don't make our money off of your music. I'm like, that is not how that works. <laughs> no. It's just not. And they're mind blown by that. But anyway, so back to Chris, he, uh, maybe a month or two later texted me and said, Hey, this winter I'm touring through with some of my friends. Would we play at your house? I was like, Oh, I mean, I guess so. I've been to house shows before. I guess that would be cool. And then we ended up having to move out. The owner was having her daughter move into that house. And so she Uh, had us move out and we moved into this one bedroom, maybe 850, 900 square foot apartment in downtown. And I reached out to him. I was like, Hey, I don't know if this is going to work. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. We might have to cancel. And he was like, well, how makes this space? We could probably make that work. And we and did. He's a madman. Like, <laughs> Oh my it, God. He's insane. <laughs> yeah. It, it's incredible. The stuff that he does because he's just a one man wrecking crew almost. Yes. And, and just putting everything on his back and just, him, I think he's married now, right? So yeah, yeah. traveling around with her, just going to show to show and then just yelling at people through <laughs> like, and again, it's just yelling your feelings or yelling whatever uh, rhetoric that he may have. Like it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's, yeah. it's an experience for sure. Like he yeah. played, I think he played a couple times for me at the church down in St. Mary's and it's oh, just, cool. it's just an insane thing to see this one dude with so much energy getting everybody involved with it and him just yeah. legitimately yelling at the top of his lungs and, and yelling right at someone's face. And it's just like, this is what it's supposed to be like. It's fantastic. Yeah. A hundred percent because he pushed through and said, now nah, we can make this show work. Like, I mean, they didn't have like a full band with them or whatever. I think it was him. Um, I don't know if you've heard Cl- Kevin Schlereth. I don't think so. 
he's pretty good. He's a, I feel like he's like the papa bear of the DIY community. Like That's nice. I like that. <laughs> like, yeah. Like uh, not, not to throw him under the bus. He's one of the older musicians and the like general DIY community around uh, the U S and he finds musicians all over the place and like invites them to tour with him and really helps connect. Like, awesome. Yeah. Like a web of community. And so now, I mean, I've probably hosted each of them. I don't know, like 15 times since that one show and they always bring someone new with them. And then those people end up coming back and bringing someone and it's all people who will do like the either weekender tours or they'll do like a two week stint or something like that. And so being in that community kind of helped me. Well, one feel a lot more confident in stepping out and doing my own music because I saw people who were really just like doing things for the first time and who were being very honest about their anxieties and fears around touring or recording or any of those more risky or playing in a stranger's apartment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we've had anywhere from, I mean, we've had shows where one show there was like a hurricane and we didn't cancel and like four people (laughs) showed up and we still had a great time. And then we had one show with, uh, you know, my Epic. No, I don't think so. They're, uh, signed with, um, face down records. Oh, well, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. They're awesome. And they, uh, the lead vocalist lived in the area and he agreed to do a show here. And we had like 50 people, I swear. Oh, I don't. So <laughs> we have like a deck outside, okay. a big covered deck. Okay. And so people were just, I mean, crammed, like people were yeah. right inside of my door. People were going up the steps. People were like squished together and he was just playing in the middle of them. Like we just made it work. That's insane. That's gotta be, it's like those basement shows where just everybody's on top of each other. Right. It felt very genuinely punk rock. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like it. You said you did that for five years. So there was no real feedback or uh, blowback from the apartment building itself then. Yeah. No. So I, I live like in the heart of downtown Fredericksburg. So I live above a shop. Okay. We lived above a vape shop. So they were cool. Perfect. <laughs> they were cool with it. And now Perfect. we live above a vintage shop. Like it's the same shop, but they, the vape shop closed, a vintage shop came in and they're really friendly about shows. Next to them is a beer shop. So it all works out. Yeah. It's like all pretty cool people. We've had, thank, thankfully all good neighbors. I'm crossing my yeah. fingers, hoping we don't have any crappy ones come in, but like our neighbors are just so supportive and nice. Like we're really lucky. And because we weren't doing a lot of full band stuff, uh, we've only done one really full band where it was like people needed earplugs. Right. And somehow we got, I I think that was the night of the hurricane. And I think that's the only reason we didn't get any complaints. (laughs) Everything was on fire. Well, not everything was on fire. There was thunder and lightning and all that stuff uh, out there already. So it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Now I'm trying to put together a metal show in the area at the end of August. And that's not, I, I was like, okay, I can't do that at the apartment. So I, I'm working on figuring that out right okay. now. Well, but. let me know if you need a spot. The dudes in Kismet, who is from Fredericksburg, ah. they book Planet Nova somewhere in Fredericksburg and then dealt with Casey's uh, Music Alley a little bit too. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that might be a good connect for you because th- those dudes are great. Uh, Chris Thank is the, the one that does a lot of the booking and I just, I just saw them 
last weekend because they played uh, down in St. Mary's. There was a, a, a fest called Roach Fest that they played, which was all oh, like sweet. heavier metal, uh, heavier rock stuff. Um, yeah. and it, it was really cool because uh, I also had them on the show a couple months ago and yeah. we were talking about booking at Planet Nova and, and how that was affected with COVID and all that stuff and, and trying to kind of get back into it. So that's definitely going to be something uh, I'll, I'll send, I'll send you their information for sure. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that, that. That'd be a, that'd be a really good connect, uh, especially if you're yeah. trying to do metal stuff. When I try to, I like, I've avoided metal stuff for the last few, like five years. Cause <laughs> I, I remember going to one metal show and like hoping like, I hope I can try to like meet some people and yeah. like talk to some bands and stuff. And man, it was, it was bad luck. All the, all the bands were really snotty. <laughs> like, oh, like man. It was all, it was like hipster metal. And so they're all like, that's the worst arms crossed, just like hanging out with their girlfriends at the merch table, but not looking like they want anyone to buy merch. And I, th- that's one of my pet peeves is when like, especially now that I've been to like more small festivals around the East coast and stuff that it, it's just felt like you're with family. It's felt a lot more chill and a lot more friendly. And I've had like people who look like, so like a boomer would look like they've killed someone <laughs> like ta- j- talking to me, seeing how I'm doing. Like, I don't know. It's just a lot more chill. And so I don't have a lot of tolerance for like the hipster metal. That's like, I'm too good for you. I'm going to move to Richmond because Fredericksburg sucks. And I don't like that attitude. It's like, and I understand it's hard to do metal shows around here. One of the biggest things is just sound ordinance type of yeah. stuff. And like yeah. a lot of, I think Chris was even talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of like old boys club type of stuff. Uh, good old boys club, but I don't want to give up on that. And it sucks watching people leave to like cooler cities yep. for their music. And I'm like, I understand that could be a really smart move. That makes sense. But also wouldn't it be cool to stick around and try to build something? Yeah, it, yeah. it would be. <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of the few things that I almost always regret, but also I'm very happy with with the the state of things here now is there's, there's a a much bigger community here than when I was doing it by myself ish for the most part. And it's, it's really nice. Like they, they put on a festival, like I said, last week uh, or last week in the 17th. And it was a bunch of bands from the whole region. And it was really great to, to see that and people that a, I haven't seen in a while, just be able to connect with them. But B, it's an actual audience. It's not just the band members watching other band members, which yeah. a lot of times that's what it is, but other people are coming out to support. This was a fantastic little event. And I'm hoping that really continues to, to be yeah. a thing. And it, it, it's always funny to me, like being from this area, I always thought Fredericksburg was so much bigger than what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like KC's was such a quote unquote big venue for yeah, when I was yeah. doing shows at least. And I was like, well, if, if I can get people over to Fredericksburg, maybe that's their next step. And then I'm hearing, yeah, Fredericksburg is just like another DIY thing. It's fine. No one really wants to play here either. We're going to go to Richmond. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's how that works. Well, it is funny because uh, I talked to a lot of people who are like, I want to play here. It's just hard to get in here. Yeah. I talked to one guy. He has a motorcycle like repair shop in the area. And he's he's like in his thirties or so. And he's really into good variety of music. I told him that I hosted shows and I was like, man, I wish there were more venues though for like bigger bands. And he was like, Oh, let me know if you ever want to do something. So he's like right now in the process of 
organizing and building out his space to be able to really? yeah host shows and i don't know how soon that's going to be i mean it's a process like getting all the electrical stuff set up right and bathrooms and blah 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 yeah and like he just would love to be able to on the weekends or whatever like host a metal band i think that's amazing because it's little connections that can go a long way yeah if if that turns out pretty solid i mean that's that's such a like a another big force that it could be with within the community and hopefully it can kind of interlace all of you I think the worst part about a smaller community is when it's defragmented and mm-hmm. and the the people that are playing in in just certain genres or certain friends groups aren't really coalescing with the rest of the scene or vice versa like the everything yeah. is so so separated like we have folks that you know their their version of a hometown show is in Baltimore and that yeah. that's not that's not what you really want to to feel like you want to be able to play really your, your backyard. Well, in your case, your apartment and, and have, you know, a community around you. That's, that's kind of the, the whole feeling that you should be yeah. going for. It, it does suck. Like the, the hipster of it all like that. I think that sucks the most where you're just like, no, we're trying here. If you would just like open up your mind a little bit and like realize that it's, if you just helped us, everything would be way better. Yeah. And you can kind of just get over yourself a little bit. That's the thing. It's just this cynical mindset. And like, even like some businesses I've seen around the area have complained about not having enough support, but they're like, not as genuinely entwined as the community in the community as they probably should be. And like, by genuinely entwined, I mean like actually friends with other business owners, like close friends, meaningful relationships. Cause that, that's a big thing for me. I mean, I'm not like best friends with all the business owners around here, but I'm on good terms with all the businesses around me, especially, especially the ones that I feel like we could like benefit, uh, benefit each other and help build each other up. Yeah. I I think it's important, uh, to, to be able to build that because then if you get more of that buy-in from everybody, then your community eventually gets better. And the, the investment into the community rather than, Oh, we want to close up and, and go somewhere bigger. Like that's you want to be able to have that opportunity to make your surroundings even more comfortable and and more welcoming. I think is a, another part of it because you want to have really that diversity in there too. To say, okay, I'm friends with a motorcycle shop, and then I'm also friends with like a hair care place or like a, a makeup place or whatever. Yeah, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to combine with exactly what you're doing but now i we can do a festival in the future now we can like build up these these bigger things where it's a bigger impact across the whole board yeah exactly so i i I really really like that one of the things that i want to know so far is what you've learned most about yourself when it comes to your business and the the open heart surgery i mean that 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 must have been like a a big thing to kind of contend with and then mm-hmm. how that kind of coalesces with the writing that you're doing and the, and the music that you're coming out with. Yeah. Well, especially, yeah, the heart surgery, that was wild. I mean, we, we weren't insured. We That's a big he, he one. didn't have a job where he had a lot, like a ton of sick days or whatever. He had to use his vacation a ton for the of year. Sick days. Yeah. Three months with open heart surgery. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, we didn't really have any options to cover that, but, um, something I learned during that time was really leaning into the community. Cause it was funny. My brother 
was talking to me closer to the day that Joe got surgery, which was about a week after we found out he had the mass in his heart. And I'm just sitting in the hospital feeling overwhelmed. And my brother asked me um, if I wanted him to make a GoFundMe when we yeah. were ready to like let people know what was going on after the surgery. Like we wanted to wait until the, at least the day after the surgery to make sure everything went well. And so he asked if I wanted to, him to do a GoFundMe. And I was like, no, no, that's for people who are actually like in need. <laughs> <laughs> I was like so prideful. And so I was so embarrassed. I didn't want anyone to think that I was like trying Struggling. to bomb for yeah, money or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> now I look back at that. I'm like, that's so silly. And I've talked a lot of friends since then in varying situations like that. I've talked them into doing GoFundMes because I'm like, you'd be amazed at how much the people in your life want to help. And that's it. It's, I mean, it's similar to going back to all the instrumentalists and the singers and stuff on my album all of them really wanted to help when they got the opportunity, they wanted to do it. People aren't that terrible that they don't want to see you (laughs) do well. And so, I mean, it went from us raising money through GoFundMe to be able to just survive those three months and be able to pay bills and everything. Like we didn't even get to touch the hospital bills with it, but thank God we went to a nonprofit hospital. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got to say. That's amazing. It'll work out. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't, I didn't even know those were a thing. It's a thing. You still have, you still like, you don't have to pay them back. It will affect your credit, <laughs> but well, so we're yeah. doing what we can. That, I think that's pretty much everything. You don't have to pay exactly. anything. It will no. affect your credit. Just <laughs> uh, make sure that you're, you're prepared to get like a, a 400 and you'll be fine. Yeah. Adulthood. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. There, there was that, which I was like, okay, cool. Now I can just, we can go back to work in the spring and it'll all be fine. And then I, w- I was out of work for four months after that. Yeah. Part of it was because I could have gone back in two months, but I had ended the lease at my old spot okay. to move into a new spot. And okay. then the new spots construction got pushed back. And so I was out of work for four months. And thankfully I was working part-time with my church, but that wasn't quite enough to cover the bills. And sure. so we, uh, I had a friend of mine, she made me, um, some stickers, uh, similar she's the same one who did the album cover for me so similar that like illustrative type of realistic yeah yeah with some of my hair photos and so i sold those to clients for pay what you want basically i was like just please pay at least like two dollars so i can ship it to you but uh, i was just a pay what you want thing and that helped kind of fill in the gaps and like people were happy to do that and i had people volunteer to pay for the appointments that they missed over covid because they were like well, I'm still making money and I'd be doing this anyway. Yeah. And I'm not going anywhere. So just like laying down your pride and giving into the fact that your community wants to be there for you is the biggest thing I learned. So then I went into later that year, I'd finally caught up on work stuff and was back in the salon and stuff. And then I was like, all right, guys, I'm writing an album. Who wants to <laughs> Who wants to buy some stickers and whatever else? Like I'm trying to raise money for this album, doing like merch campaigns and stuff. And that ended up paying for 90% of the amount of my album. But it, yeah, it really was just leaning into community and being, being vulnerable and being honest about where I'm at. I don't think anyone... I've had to wrestle through this hard. I don't think anyone who like bought a t-shirt or stickers or whatever from me is looking at this and, you know, cloudy comes out and they're like, well, that wasn't worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that, that, that's gotta be a harrowing thought. (laughs) 
Cause it's, it's, it's weird. Like I, I, I just started dealing with this cause I had back surgery a month ago. And yeah, I saw that. That's, that's been a very wild ride of exactly what you're talking about where I don't really want to ask for help. I don't want to feel like I'm lazy. I don't want to feel like I'm just not doing anything while I'm, I'm out. And like my, my doctor was like, yeah, your, your body is fusing bones together. So it's okay to be tired. It's, it's fine. You have screws in there. There's, you got some hardware. It's all right. And then like, when you put it out there and you get like immediate response from people, a, that you haven't even seen in like 10 years is just, it's incredible. And that's something that I I ever thought would happen and makes me feel a little bit better. Cause that I still, even, even with the the show and the, and the, the, the approach that I have with that, like a lot of, a lot of it is just, I, I want people to listen to other people's stories and I want to be able to shine a light on that stuff. But the other side of it is that I feel terrible for just even asking for like a Patreon or like yeah. getting to a point where I want to sell some stuff. Cause then I don't want the capitalist side of me to take over, which yeah. is really weird because my, my day job is sales. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't, I, I really don't want that to taint anything that I'm doing quote unquote artistically, if that makes I get sense. That. I totally get that. I, I have a hard enough time being a salesperson at my job. And it's like, I have to yeah. have a semblance of sales person-ness <laughs> in my <laughs> job. And uh, I, I struggle enough with that. So every time I post like my merch or stickers or anything like that, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm such a, <laughs> like, I'm such a capitalist pig. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, you're just trying, you're just trying to keep the art going. It's not that crazy. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I mean, you've, you've already felt it a little bit through the shows one and then just the music overall is like, you're never going to really turn a profit on this stuff and and you're going to pour money into it and energy into it because you want to. And that's, that's the whole thing. Like, this is the way that you want to express yourself or be a part of your community or whatever it is. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's cool to spend your own money on it. I never thought that anybody would want to spend their money on me. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm c- trying to contend with now and trying to balance out now and like be cool with that concept of yeah, people want to support you. It's okay. All you have to do is just put it out there and see what happens. Yeah, 100%. It well, it's funny again how many people I've talked to them about Spotify and iTunes and all that and they're like, "How much money are you going to make from that?" I was like, "Not much. Like probably <laughs> close to nothing." And they're so shocked and I explained to them like like even bigger bands, they make money from like touring and gigging and getting merch. And it's not that much, but they, that's where they make their money. And then I pointed out to someone, I was like, actually like, you know, if you're listening to Spotify a lot, like, that's fine. That's how music works right now. People are listening to streaming subscriptions and giving people a small fraction of a cent per listen. Very small. Yeah. I was like, if you really want to, like make a difference, like just finding out if the artist has like a Venmo or something like that, or has like merch or whatever, and just buying that instead of what you used to do 15 years ago, buying a CD, like, or I guess not even 15 years ago, but yeah, it's, it's wild how, how quick that was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It really was. And so it's like those, those things, like, I mean, you're going to spend those five, 10 bucks anyway. It's like, just send it to someone because those little things add up. 
I think what you see the the most is that it's a very personal connection that people are trying to make through the internet, which I feel like is incredibly difficult. You have a bunch of people that are doing like these Zoom shows. Yeah. Like you said, the Instagram live, like trying to still connect and still talk to people that way. And that's such a, a hard thing to do, I feel like. Mm, yeah. To to try to make those connections. But if if like what you're saying, you know, if if you can find that and get it set up to where instead of listening to the same song 50 times and feeling like you're supporting someone, just send them five bucks. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They they put effort into it. It's fine. But at at the same time, it's very sweet. I <laughs> my again, my nephew, he apparently has fallen asleep several times listening to my song on repeat. And I'm like, you know what? Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Listen as much as you want. Get those, get those listens up. And it I doesn't I've had sound few... like a 14 year old boy would be into that, but I like no, it. No, I was like, okay. I, I didn't know you thought I was cool, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, but then, uh, even like, like I have some friends who literally just have when they're working, they'll like put the music on their AirPods or whatever, and yeah. just play it on repeat as they're working on something. Like, even if they're not, wanting to listen to it a hundred times like they'll play it just to like build up the listens and that was really nice to hear that people were doing that um but yeah yeah doing those little things sending people stuff buying their merch i mean that's not a huge profit margin but it's better for sure be for sure especially like i go through bonfire for t-shirts okay and they're a great company they're i mean it's not again it's not huge profit margins but i'm not having to i don't have to buy t-shirts ahead of time. Perfect. Okay. They, yeah. They can do like the on demand or whatever Yeah, on demand and they'll like just send it out in batches. Like once they hit 20 shirts or something, they send it out or once they hit five shirts or once they hit like two weeks, something like that, they'll send it out to people. And yeah, it helps me keep the costs down a little bit Yeah, yeah. and get a better profit. That's like a Teespring, I think. Yeah, yeah, they're the same. Right? I, I've been I've been looking at at that stuff because I don't want to spend money on shirts. I don't think anybody's yeah. going to buy anything. But that's that's a, a really good way to to do it. What do you think keeps you motivated to continue to pursue music and and get kind of the the rekindling of this for your your EP and your songs? Yeah, honestly, sometimes I don't know. <laughs> um, I do think the response that I got to cloudy was a good example of something that motivated me. Just not just having people say, Oh, I like your song. It's nice. But having people specifically say, I liked your song because of A, B and C, like they liked the build or I had one person. It was my friend's husband was like, I did not expect the full band to come in. That was a really yeah. cool experience listening, like stuff like that kind of motivated me like, oh, okay, this, this is cool. This, this is a good feeling. It's good to be putting out something that people enjoy. And I mean, I know I love when my friends put out stuff and when I can like promote my friends. And then I see like on Instagram that my other friends who had no connection to them prior are now following them and keeping up with them or like going to their shows or something like that. It's really a big honor to be in that position now and have people promoting me and seeing like new people following me. Cause I think one of the most important things to me is connecting with different people and being able to put something out there that they can connect with and that encourages them and hopefully motivates them. And it's also, it's a big motivation. Like I've been thinking about the fact that I've gone through such a big 
journey and getting to this point and knowing that I can share that really honestly and hopefully it can help someone else who is hesitating to put their work out there, try to put their work out there. So yeah, that, I think that's what's motivating me the most right that's now. That's great. Do you think that's your your overall goal with Tendersong? That connection piece and, and trying to inspire yeah. someone else? Yeah, I think that's it. Trying to inspire other people. I, I love the idea of collaborating with people and just continuing to do that. I've been able to talk to a couple of people, a couple of other musicians recently about collaborating in the future. Like, I mean, these five songs, three of them aren't new. Like I only wrote, I only wrote two of them this year and I definitely feel like it'll be a lot easier to continue writing, collaborating with other people. And so I'm excited to start doing more of that, which again has that connection piece and helps me connect with a whole new fan base of people. I, it's funny. I, I named the EP feeling tired because it just like, I, I feel like I just like vomited it out of me. <laughs> you know, like That was exactly the feeling I had starting to work on it. And just the overall overarching feeling I had that I've had for a long time. And my, uh, my initial uh, approach for the album or for the EP was going to be like, I joked that it's like lullabies for adults. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want it to be like soothing music for adults. Um, And so I was like, feeling tired, that works. And then it transformed to what it is. So I just hope that anyone who is feeling that overwhelming tiredness gets kind of some relief listening to the album. I dig it. All right. That's, That's fantastic.